Welcome to the Prometheus Strength Podcast. This is your host, Zach Powell. In today's episode, I discuss the correlation between lean body mass and performance, front squat and performance, an anecdote on push press and my jerk, and then today's question of the day is how often should one test in a program? So the other day, I was reading this paper. Uh, The name of the paper was called Correlations of Anthropometric and Body Composition Variables with the Performance of Young Elite Weightlifters. Um, I found it very interesting, uh, and it's probably because I'm just having a recent obsession with um, lean body mass and its correlate to uh, performance and the snatch and clean and jerk. Um, But in in this study, um, there was a very, very strong correlation between uh, performance, the total performance, and uh, and lean body mass, and I, I there are definitely limitations, and, and I want to get into that, but I, uh, I I really am of the opinion that there's there's probably something something there. So before I get into the what I think are the positives, I'll I'll speak to the negatives. So um, the mean the mean weight in this uh, paper was 68.27 kilos, uh, with a standard deviation of 20 kilos. So, you know, most people fell within, you know, 48 to to 88 kilos. So these are relatively small, but um, I don't know what that. I mean, it seems like the average is probably lower than uh, in in senior weightlifters. Um, Lean body mass was at 52.6, plus or minus 12 kilos. Um, And the clean and jerk record uh, was 91. So so these these are pretty small, 91 with a plus or minus of 43. So so relatively low compared to the world stage and, and senior lifters. But... With that being said, um, these are high-level lifters for their age. So going into that, it it might be hard to um, pull some information from that specifically because, you know, in youth lifters, we don't hit puberty all at the same time. So some of those differences in performance could be independent of the lean body mass um, changes or, or total size. So what could be causing them to be larger could also be helping them perform better too. Um, so that is a, that is a possibility. I don't know that that is, you know, always the case. I do think, you know, somewhat logically, the bigger you are, the stronger you can be, and therefore the faster you can be. And in in terms of power metrics so in performance of the snatch and clean and jerk you can definitely definitely outperform if the muscle is if the cross-sectional area is larger but i think there are limitations to to this idea because so in my last competition i competed at 81 kilos i might have been around 10 to 13 percent body fat and Let's just say on the low end, if I even if I was ten percent body fat, I would still have, you know, seventy two kilos of of lean body mass. You know, there's people like 
CJ, who are lifting <laughs> almost, you know, so 180, and my best clean and jerk is 146. You know, he's he's getting into the 190s and or approaching the 190s, and I have more lean body mass than he has weighed clean and jerking those, and so I don't know that there's a definite correlate between what somebody what their lean body mass is and, and performance, but I do think that there is something there. The reason that it's not always a one-to-one is because muscular attachments can be a factor, uh, rate coding can be a factor, so how fast your muscles can produce force can be a factor. Um, let me go back. So on, I think something that a lot of people miss is so chimpanzees have less muscle mass than humans, but they can produce a significantly amount more force than humans can. And a major factor of that is where their muscles attach to the bone. Um, so all of our muscles just pull on bones. That's all they can do. Um, on your elbow, let's just say for an elbow flexion, your bicep is attached relatively close to your elbow. If you were to move that even a couple inches forward, closer to your wrist, you could produce significantly more force on your elbow flexion than where it's at now. In chimpanzees, most of their muscular attachments are lower onto the moment arm or the lever arm, and they can produce more force with less cross-sectional area of their, their muscle. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of, changes or individual differences between people are just that even small differences on a moment arm can create relatively big differences in performance another thing cj is much smaller too and, and he's got you know he's probably he's an incredible athlete but uh, let's just say somebody else who's lifting the same weight as him at the highest level or at a higher level um that is taller the taller athlete is going to have to produce more work, or not produce, but complete more work to lift the same amount of weight, and that's an advantage, which is great. We want to take advantages, uh, take take advantage of our strengths. Um, so there are there are limitations, but in the individual, I do believe that trying to, or at least approaching maximum lean body mass for the weight class that fits the athlete is probably a good thing so um because we do see at the highest level higher levels of lean body mass tend to be correlated with higher levels of performance i don't think you can look at yourself and say okay once i start adding more lean body mass on me or if i have x amount of lean body mass i will start performing at X total, but over one's career, I think there are going to be limitations to how well you can perform if you aren't trying to also increase lean body mass over the long term. Um, so the so the the correlation in this study where we can take take good things, um, there were significant significant values to lean body mass in the snatch and the clean and jerk um, so using using the variables and the correlation coefficients here 
Um, lean body mass was significantly correlated with snatch and clean and jerk. In the snatch, it was 0.888, which is you know pretty pretty high level of correlation. Um, so the p value would be less than 0 0.001, and then in the lean in the clean and jerk, it was 0.885. So still hugely correlated. Um, it was only beat out by one other thing, and that was lean body mass and front squat at 0.897. So that that is a huge, huge um, like correlation factors there. Like with more lean body mass, they saw a higher total. It was not predictive, but very, very strongly correlated. So like I said. If somebody is struggling, they've been on a, well, I'll take myself, for example, for the past five years, I've been training only weightlifting, like not so much peaking, but my maybe two, three movements in my entire week would be outside of a, a weightlifting program. So snatch pulls, clean pulls, front squats, back squats, you know, and then the classic lifts and their variations. I wouldn't do much, you know, strict pressing or even tricep extensions or, um, leg extensions, getting away from those movements. Not that those movements can't be effective for for um, muscular growth. They're just harder to use because momentum is a factor. And, and so with, you know, more and more research coming out that muscular tension is the, the primary driver of hypertrophy, when you are increasing the velocity of a lift, you decrease the force that's produced through the muscle and then therefore tension goes down. So taking a step back every once in a while or relatively frequently and increasing lean body mass through muscular tension is probably a good idea on the individual level. Um, and we see this in many programs, right? Like, you know, Juggernaut, they take their athletes through squat tens, um, LSUS, they even do bench press, but they do tens, fives, threes, peak. So we do see it. Um, you know, Cal Strength is infamous for their their high volume cycles, uh, and 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 I think that it's it's probably a good idea. Just I think so many so many athletes are afraid to, and myself included, get away from the lifts far enough to build the lean mass required because performance might drop, or you know, we're always trying to eke out that last little bit. But nonetheless, I've, I've spoken about this before. It's probably a good idea to take a step back, get bigger, then get stronger, and then, you know, try to peak out your, your lifts. Topic number two. So another study, um, it's front squat and performance in the snatch and clean and jerk are the total. So um, just something really interesting. I, uh, once again, I don't know that uh, correlation equals causation here, um, but nonetheless. Uh, so front squat performance. So this study, Lucero, Lucera et al. in 2019, they took uh, performance of high level and low level lifters. So, um, you know, the, let me get to the performances. Um, so the the minimum back squat, or we'll go with front squat because I want to focus more on the front squat, but there were 71 lifters in, in that they took from. The minimum front squat was 90. So, you know, this is, it might be a decently strong female or a relatively 
um, low level front squat for a, a male, but um, the maximum front squat was 280 kilos. So, you know, that's a pretty, pretty great front squat. Um, and then for the performance, the totals were the minimum was 130 kilos. Um, so a very great total for a low level female and then, uh, a 425. So we're, we're, we're talking about super heavyweight or maybe, maybe the, the one Oh nines now, um, at the highest level. So we're, we're seeing incredible, incredible performances. So, um, the correlation, correlation coefficients here, the, the R value for the, for the, the snatch and clean and jerk compared to the, the front squat. So the total was a 0.93. So we're seeing huge, huge correlations to what somebody is, is front squatting to their performance on, on the lifts. Once again, maybe training the snatch and clean and jerk allows your, your front squat to go up or, or in conjunction. What I like about this though, is that sometimes we, we neglect those things. So I, I know it like, there's so many people we can see out there that they front squat 250 kilos, but you know, they have this huge reserve of strength, but they can't seem to clean and jerk 150. Um, you know, there are examples of that out there, but it, it this is something that you can use as a tool, right? It, it's a, it's an option. If somebody's not progressing and you don't know why, you know, looking at their front squat, and I know a lot of people go to this, but I think that it's overlooked just how much raw strength can play a variable in the lifts. And, and I'm just playing devil's advocate for the people that, you know, I know a lot of coaches already go here, but we're seeing such strong correlations. Like for the, like for the front squat and the clean and jerk, it's a 0.94 correlation for the front squat and snatch, it's a 0.92, and then the total's 0.93. So we're seeing very strong, strong correlations. Um, I'll, like even the percent of, like in this study, 86% of the front squat equaled the clean and jerk. Now, I, I don't like these like calculations where it should be 86%. But if your clean and jerk is much lower than 86% of your front squat, then maybe you shouldn't be focused so much on your front squat. But if it's above or, you know, right above or uh, approaching that, then increasing your reserve of strength is going to be beneficial, at least down the road to increase your clean and jerk. 69% um, of your front squat equals your snatch in, or equaled snatch in this, this paper. So once again, if, if you're at Let's just say your best front squat is 200 kilos and your best snatch is 70 kilos. You're at a 35% of your, your best front squat to your, your snatch. So you're not going to want to increase your clean or your, your front squat. What you're going to want to do is focus more on the technique of your, your snatch. Um, but even what I love about this study is that even at low versus high level, we still see a very strong correlation of front squat. Like the scatter plots of these studies are almost linear, just so they're so close to the trend line. And I think that people just overlook how much raw strength it has a factor in performance. Um, you know, something that I, I think about a lot is like 
uh, you take Chad Wesley Smith. I've I saw a video of him, you know, uh, muscle snatching. I think it was like 110 or 120. Somebody that, yeah, he he has practiced the the lifts, but his he just has such a large reserve of strength that he can muscle snatch something that high. Um, and I know that's not huge on the world stage, but for somebody that doesn't practice it too much to be able to just walk up and and muscle snatch 110 or 120 is, is an incredible feat of strength just if you think about it and so um raw strength has a larger play than sometimes i think people give it um once again that i could be biased because i didn't give or i i, I was either i didn't give it enough credit or i was around people who didn't give it enough credit um but i do think that like you know, you just take a NFL athlete, they aren't training all day for snatch and clean and jerk. And a lot of them can hang power clean more than I can full clean on a peaked cycle. Uh, so, and I think a lot of that has to do with more of their raw strength and athletic performance than it does them training the lifts. Yes, technique takes you far, but, you know, my guess is probably... 85% of your clean and jerk is probably more related to your raw strength and the other 15% is probably related to the speed of the lift and shared with the, the the technique so much smaller factor than your your absolute strength um so those are just my ideas on those studies and I think um you know it take it with a grain of salt but I I think that there are correlations that we we kind of know intuitively but we forget when we're programming and myself included when we program for lifters or we're not um we're, we're stuck on a problem and we forget that sometimes it's the basics you know being bigger and stronger does still help in in weightlifting sure you need to be fast you need to be mobile but those are not mutually exclusive we can still be fast and mobile and relatively big and strong um we see it with super heavyweights i mean lasha literally if most people don't even think he looks like a weightlifter and he's the best of all time so um you know don't don't overlook the basics especially if you know you can get cute with your program you can do all these variations but muscle still has to be the the contractile tissue here and you know front squat's still a useful tool all right, now I want to get into my third topic, which is um, anecdotal. It's something that I definitely just saw in my own programming with myself and my athletes. Um, and that I'm following the trend of correlations here. Now, I don't have a correlation coefficient, but um, this is with the push, press, and jerk. So um, I never really trained the push, press to increase the push, press itself. And, and I know I don't compete in the push press so that that logic is not um, missed by me but I do believe that the push press has a very strong impact on one's jerk so um, I had a conversation with uh, a, another um, another weightlifter and we were just talking about the push press and this is when I almost had like a an epiphany or an aha moment that I should be probably training mine more. And 
like my best jerk was 145, but my best push press was 105, maybe, maybe a hundred. Um, and it was just, I was just like, wow, this is a, you know, 45 to 40 kilo difference in, in performance. And, you know, I see people who are in my weight class push pressing 130 plus and, um, over, over my, like a, a, a an experimental, um, mesocycle, I, I just tried to get it as high as possible. Well, in the bounds of, uh, still training my clean and jerk, but yeah, like I, I increased the volume of my push press and, and I didn't see a huge bump in my, um, one RM, but that's okay. I, my minimums got higher. Like I was missing much less. Um, my lockout was way more solid and there was just so much more confidence in the lift. And, um, and I think a lot of people, you know, know this, it's not, it's nothing magic, but the push press, I think is just such a useful tool, um, for the jerk. And it's something that quite frankly, I probably waited too long to try and work on. Um, I think it's, uh, I hate to say this as a blanket statement, but the perfect accessory for the jerk, um, not everyone needs it. There's so many other factors, but really if somebody's not locking out their jerks or they're not finishing their, their drive, the push press is just a beautiful lift. And, and I know I'm probably biased because I enjoyed it. I did it. I saw a lot of effect from it, but it was so useful. Um, Seriously, I just, uh, push presses are going to be, uh, I hate to say a staple because things change, but it was such a good, good factor in my training. So, you know, if, if you, uh, struggle with, um, your jerk, you're not finishing your extension or you're not locking it out properly, just experiment with push presses. Um, I'm not going to give any volume recommendations, but, um, you know, a couple times a week is, is probably going to be a, a good start and increasing your strength on that would definitely be, definitely be a, a good idea. And then, uh, the question of today's episode, how often should one test in a program? So, um, once again, the question of the day is me just having a question. I don't have a strong opinion on it, but I, uh, it's something that I think about and, um, I want to go through that thought process. So how often should one test in a program? I think that in weightlifting, especially people want to view a test as a one rep max test. Um, and I think there's, there's many ways you can test, but why I have this question in the first place is, you know, a lot of the training cycles I've done, um, it's okay. So we're going to do a high volume, a strength, and then a peaking block. And then we test after 12 to 16 weeks. And the problem with that is you've basically, if you, if that program doesn't work for you, you have now gone, you know, 12 to 16 weeks without seeing if it, it works. Um, and then also you only get one day to test to see if it works. And then the pressure of that one day can be the reason you don't perform well. So I just think that it's it's setting up, unless you know, it, you, you're you a beginner and everything goes up and of course you're gonna PR at the end or um, somebody does really well. So you just run that, that training block over and over again and you go from there. But I just, I, I 
don't know that it works with me or my the way I think about training because I, I just don't, I think it's too infrequent. Um, so I want to go into like other ways you can test a program or, or how I think about, you know, somebody could test on a program. Um, so I'll just go back to a previous example. So let's say we were, you know, <laughs> wanting to increase lean body mass. So we're in a hypertrophy block and we want to front squat to increase our erector strength and our quad strength um, in the long term, not in that cycle. So let's just say we're doing eights in the front squat, and that's actually what I'm doing right now in my program. Over, um, and I don't, uh, and and so over over a, a mesocycle, so undefined amount of time, week to week, I do think that one's performance in a maybe not a top set, but let's just say an RPE of seven or eight um, front squat on a set of eight, we're going to we're going to want to see that increase. So let's just say you do one set of that eight at seven or eight over, um, you know, three to six weeks. I would expect to, as we're increasing lean body mass, one's performance should increase slightly over time, or at least the effort given to the same weight should go down. So first week you're doing 130, maybe the next week you're doing 133, and then the next week you're doing 135. Maybe you don't go to 137 on week four, but 135 now went from an eight to a seven. I would say that is a good test. That is a program that is effectively testing what it it wants. And you don't need to do, because maybe during a, a hypertrophy block, your one rep max snatch goes down because you're not putting as much volume of your training towards that skill but you are if you're trying to increase lean body mass and the size of your quads and uh, your front squat the metric can be that like a front squat of eight at eight so i think that you can test weekly monthly to get a good gauge of that program of that the effectiveness of what you're doing right now way more than people give credit for um, you know, uh, let's just say you're, you're in a power phase and, you know, you want to get your power clean up. You don't have to go to a one rep max. Maybe it's a double, right? Is the double, or, or here's a, here's another example of a test. Let's say you wanted to have step loading progression. So step loading is the idea that we maintain a certain level of volume or overload or intensity, just you're keeping the same level of stimulus over a certain block. So four weeks, I'm going to power clean 100 kilos every single week, you know, in the same workout for the same number of reps and sets. So throughout that, that block, let's just say four weeks, 100 kilos, you come in the first day, it's, it's a nine. Oh, that's so heavy. Um, I'm, I'm getting crushed by it. Um, maybe you even, you know, have to post on your Instagram story power and ah for the, the, the first test. Then the next week you come in, you hit it. It's feeling good. It was tough, but you know, it's a little bit better. So the, the, uh, RPE went from a nine. Now it's an eight and I get that RPE has a limitations, but it required 90% effort. Now you're giving a little bit 80% effort. It what you could definitely go up 10 kilos 
And the next week you come in and 100 feels even lighter. You're, you, you feel like it's still a warm-up or, you know, it, it's not even not even a, a, a problem. And then the next week you say, okay, this is, this is literally too light. I can't, like I need to add more stimulus. That's also a test, right? It, you can gauge how much effort you're giving to the same weight. So if, if one is not testing frequently, how do they know what's working or if, if it's working? Um, and th those are just some examples of testing. I know there's, you know, literally an infinite, infinite amount of tests. Uh, Velocity-based training actually allows way more um, efficacy in one's program to test. Uh, but I, 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 like, I think that you can test relatively frequently. And that doesn't mean a one rep max testing all the time. It can be other metrics. Um, so I, I, I think there's probably a middle ground for most people. Maybe it's once a month. You know, so many factors that go into that. Or once a month, once a cycle. Um, but I, I think that there's, there's ways around it, kind of seeing if what you're doing is working and what you're trying to accomplish is working. And the test is going to look different for every cycle. Um, athletes exist in time. So, you know, what we did last training block is going to affect what we do in this training block. So we have to change the test to see what, what it is that we're trying to accomplish. So I, I think that being, being a little bit more proactive on your tests so you can be reactive in your training is probably way more effective. But once again... I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe, you know, my, my good friend Couch said it's probably whatever keeps the athlete most motivated to train. And I think that's a good, good way to think about it. Because if you test every week and the act of testing is causing you to have a mental breakdown, then it's probably not a good idea to test that frequently. Um, I'm somebody who I just didn't like waiting that long to test or give myself something to shoot for. So... Um, you know, it's, I think it's there once again, the, the principle of individual differences and in psychology has a large effect on that. So yeah, that's today's episode. Um, once again, please, uh, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to hear, hear what you want to hear and, um, what you guys think about the podcast. You can uh, reach me at Zach.Powell on Instagram and that's the best way to find me.